In episode 40 of the Violence Design Lab podcast, we're talking about how we as designers can help directors think about the violence in their shows. Also, I have a special announcement for listeners of the podcast at the end of the episode, so be sure you stay tuned and listen to the news. Out swords and to work with all. Welcome to the Violence Design Lab podcast. Now here's the mad scientist himself, David Barefoot. Greetings, David here once again. Designing theatrical violence for live theaters since 1992 and the mad scientist of the violencedesignlab.com, I am your virtual coach and online mentor here to encourage you to improve your stage combat, to coach you to choreographing better fights, and to train you to tackle the challenges of theatrical violence design. This week, I want to talk about how we as violence designers can really bring something to the table of a show, not only in the choreography that we will provide or the safety that we endeavor to maintain for the actors, but also artistically how we can enhance a show. As I'm sure all of you are aware or are used to working with, directors are the point person on a production. They are the person responsible for taking all the various crafts in the art, whether it is acting or singing, dance, lighting, costumes, props, violence, special effects, puppetry, you name it. If it's in the production, it falls under their purview. Now, of course, this person tends to be very, very busy. So, Even a person that has a strong view or opinion about the show and the vision and the tone, even if they have both a strong vision and expertise in an area, say they're also a lighting person, they've they've had some design work or, or they've worked in electrics, they usually simply don't have a lot of time to also be the lighting designer of the show. Of course, there are always exceptions, especially when you're getting to small shoestring operations and storefront theaters like uh, I've commonly worked in. Sometimes people do have multiple roles and the director has to wear various hats. But in general, the director will try to hire designers, right? This is how theater works, at least in America. Uh, And one of the designers they will hire frequently is a violence designer. Now, the thing is, because directors have to think about everything, it's harder for them to think in depth about, well, everything. It's Coming up uh, in the near future, I've actually been tapped to direct a show, uh, be the director of the entire piece. And because I have a lot of experience working with actors and I'm used to coaching them on the violence and the scenes that surround the violence, an artistic director of a local theater tapped me and said, hey, would you be interested in directing this action show that they have in their season? Now, the thing is, I am good with working with actors because I've had 20, 25 years of experience doing it and my background was in acting, but There are so many other hats that a director has to wear. There's schedules to coordinate. There is budget for costumes and sets. There's what does a set look like? You got to figure blocking. And there's just a myriad of things that directors have to think about. And it really hit home to me just how much is on their plates. It's an amazing job that directors do, both as artists and administrators and kind of, you know, the den mother of the production. 
So it got me thinking about one of the benefits of designers. If, as a director, I have experience as a lighting designer, as I said before, I may simply lack the time to give my full energy to a lighting design. I may have some general ideas, sure, you know, I want this scene in kind of a, a nighttime, maybe a blue wash, or or I want uh, some psych lights to gradually come up in the scene to indicate the dawn, uh, and or we change to a warm to, as the tone of the scene changes. I may have some general ideas, but I will likely not be able to devote the time necessary to develop a full-fledged and fully thought-out design. Well, that same thing is true of the violence. Violence is a very complex kind of human interaction, and it is something that to do well, as you know as aficionados of uh, theatrical violence and stage combat, it takes a lot of time and energy to convincingly portray sometimes even simple illusions and violent stories. Even the planning of violent moments on stage often requires a great deal of time. If you've ever choreographed a 20-second fight, for example, you'll know that it will usually take a couple of hours, from conceptualizing what the fight should look like, deciding weapons, if any, planning every single move for all the combatants involved, and then recording them. That takes a great deal of brain power and time, and that's simply for a 20-second sequence. A director who has an hour and a half or two or two and a half hours show that they have to coordinate and present honestly doesn't have two or three hours to devote to 20 seconds of the show. They have other priorities that are simply going to take precedence, usually the acting or something to do with the the tech. There's a lot more they have going on. So they hand it off to designers, and well, that's how we make our living, right? But I want you to be empowered as a designer that when a director gives you control of the violence in the script and tells you, well, okay, on page four here, this happens, and then on page 62, there's a gunshot here. They are trying to quickly tell you what they need for their show, but I want you to be empowered to take that bare-bones, plot-based requirements that they have given you and expand it artistically. So what I mean by that is... Directors will often look at the script and they'll see the surface needs of the plot or the action. They say, for to bring up the old chestnut, Romeo and Juliet, they'll say, well, Romeo gets in the way of Mercutio and Tybalt and Tybalt stabs Mercutio, etc., etc. And they'll say, here, just choreograph that. But what they might not realize is how much choreographic and design decisions that the violence designer makes influences the characters the and even the, the, the story of any given scene. Now, every time I've done Romeo and Juliet, and it's been a bunch now, every time Mercutio is killed by Tybalt. I never change that. That is not an option. We don't suddenly have Benvolio knifing Mercutio in the back and framing Tybalt. We never change the story. But we can approach that moment or any other moment of violence from such an array of different angles to emphasize, de-emphasize, or, 
or point up various aspects of character, plot, and story. So I might come to the director and say, what if in this version, Mercutio and Tybalt are literally not angry with one another, they are not actually trying to slay or even wound each other, they are literally just trying to show each other up, and yes, they're using sharp weapons, but they are not actively trying to kill each other. And literally, when Romeo comes in, he alters the path of Tybalt's blade, uh, obviously unintentionally, and it kills Mercutio. In that scenario, Tybalt had no plans to kill Mercutio. It was literally an accident. It was not murder. And then, of course, he comes back to see... What if Mercutio, how he's doing later, uh, alone, away from his guys, so he can maybe honestly ask, and Mercutio jumps him. Uh, sorry, Romeo uh, jumps him, and then Tybalt is slain. That's a very different scene than if Tybalt is actually uh, fighting Mercutio, and they're seriously fighting, and Romeo comes in, and because Tybalt was looking for Romeo to kill Romeo... He goes to stab at Romeo, Romeo gets out of the way, and Mercutio is killed, again accidentally. Or the the version where Mercutio and Tybalt are really out for blood, Romeo gets in the way, and Tybalt takes the opportunity of Mercutio's distraction to deal with his old adversary and murder him. Those are all very different interpretations of the same scene. Now, the director might not come up with that, or or the 15 or 20 other varieties you can probably think of for that scene. They see in the script, they, Mercutio and Tybalt fight, Romeo gets in the way, Mercutio is hurt under Romeo's arm, per the script, and then later dies. They don't have the time to wrestle with all the different permutations that that story can take. That is our job as violence designers, and I really want to empower you to take what the director gives you and run with it artistically. Very often, directors will give you a laundry list of what we need. Okay, Bob falls down on page four, and then on page 62, Harriet grabs Bob by the neck, uh, like it says here, tries to strangle him, and he knocks her down. But... What they really need from us is to not just be a stage combat practitioner and take their exact words or the exact stage directions and put them on stage in a safe manner. They need us to be theatrical artists. We are violence designers, and we have the responsibility and the, the, the pleasure of taking a moment of violence and turning it over in our minds and looking at it from all sides and finding out the facet of the violence that we want to highlight. Now again, what we choose and what we land on needs to be organic and responsible to the production. We can't suddenly take a left turn with the violence if that's not the tone of the show or the direction that the director wants to go. Uh, Usually, if I'm doing something fairly non-traditional, I will talk to the director beforehand. I'll get a vision, get their sense of the show, and we will uh, come to an uh, an understanding of where we want to go. There are some directors, of course, who know exactly the way they want it, and they want you to stage it. 
We have a client that uh, I've worked with on a number of occasions in a very large union house who usually is remounting productions from years past and will sometimes show us the choreography that was been done by someone else and says, here, this is what I want to see again. And in that case, we are a simple, you know, stage combat practitioner and I can take those moves, teach them to the actor, and there's really no design involved there. And, you know, if that's what the director wants, I can do that. The, the check's still clear, and I am a professional, so I will ultimately give the director what they want. But I want you to know that unless the director has some specific reason, they are usually open to interpretations of the violence and more in-depth critical thinking of the possibilities of those moments of personal interaction like that on stage. So take the time. Don't rush into your choreography. This is another reason why I suggest not choreographing, quote, on the fly. Now, we've all been there, uh, especially if you have that big melee and you have 25 people that you're supposed to coordinate and you didn't meet them beforehand because you know, you've just been brought in. It can be very difficult to prepare adequately for this when you don't know the body types or stage combat skill or sometimes even the number of people that you're going to have in the fights. Sometimes there's no getting around choreographing on the fly. But almost every single time that you do anything, planning in advance will help you. Yes, you can be inspired in the moment, and I really recommend that. This especially happens for me in, in comic shows, where once we start staging things and I see the way the props and the furniture and other actors are arrayed, comic bits will sometimes just you know come up and you're like, oh, we, it'd be great if we could do Let's add this. But in general, the more time you have to devote to thinking about the violence, thinking about what aspects of characters that it shows, how it advances the story, how it changes the relationships between people, the more time you do that and spend on thinking about that, the better your designs will be and ultimately the better the show will be. Don't take what a director tells you about the violence at face value. Give them not just what they ask for, give them more than they ask for. It's a negotiation, but your job is not to be a drone and simply stage what they tell you to do. It's really to think about the violence and come up with your own ideas, your own artistic vision, and then help the director to make the production better by your input and your collaboration. Now, at the start of this episode, I mentioned that I had a special announcement. I have been doing the Violence Design Lab podcast for almost a year now, and this is my 40th episode. It's been a lot of fun, but I have noticed that it takes a lot of time to continue putting out content week after week, and even with the last uh, couple of months, my output of content, especially over the holidays, was lacking. I had started putting out episodes every two weeks, and then I think there was a month where I just had a single episode. And it takes a lot of time to come up with the episodes, to write the copy, to record, edit, post, and do all the things about it. 
It takes more time than I honestly expected that it would. I haven't run out of things to say about stage combat. Heaven knows I can talk about it ad nauseum. But it's come to a place where I no longer have the time to continue doing regular content. Uh, so I wanted to let you know this will be the last episode, at least for a while. Uh, I will still be available on Facebook, and uh, the Violence Design Lab uh, online will still be there, at least for now. Uh, but I will be closing down my Patreon page. Uh, and for that, I really want to send a special thank you to my patrons, Marcus Byron, Melissa Vickery Bareford, Brendan Hutt, Pat Carroll. Thank you all so much for your continued support of the show. You didn't even complain when my output got a little behind or, uh, or, or missing. And I really appreciate all that you've done to help keep this going. And to all the other listeners from the thousands of downloads around the world, I'm, I'm humbled and flattered uh, that you would take the time to listen to what I had to say. And I hope to continue um, hearing from you uh, intermittently. You can still send me email to violencedesignlab at gmail.com or visit the Facebook page and leave me a message. But for the foreseeable future, Violence Design Lab podcast episodes will no longer be recorded. I didn't want to just pod fade, as they say, and drop off without any message or thank yous to my subscribers and uh, those that have supported me uh, through the, this last year. I can't thank you enough for all your help. So, I can't say until next week, but until the next time we talk... Keep the fights on stage and peace in your life. David, out. Thanks for listening to the Violence Design Lab podcast. For more tips, tutorials, and downloadable resources, visit us at violencedesignlab.com.